Night Talk, giving you depth and texture to the conversations that matter. Bertha Charuma on SAFM. And of course, I'm just standing in for Oliver. So NGOs play an indispensable role in South Africa, many times bridging the gap between governments and citizens, particularly in the provision of basic service uh, such as health, water, sanitation, education, to name just a few. However, government has faced criticism, particularly, uh, you know, relating to lack of goodwill to the NGOs, uh, which has resulted in poor collaboration between a government and the NGOs, with some NGOs even closing down as a result of financial difficulties. And uh, this evening on the show, we're discussing the relationship and what should be, uh, you know, how should we understand or how do we define NGOs? And also maybe unpacking the role of NGOs. Are they still relevant? If they are, what is it then that, you know, as citizens need to understand in terms of them when they come into your community and they want to provide something, how then should they go about it? And, you know, in the process as well, if you are not satisfied, what do you do? Who do you talk to? But look, if somebody is giving you something at the end of the day, I suppose it's goodwill. And for you to come up with, uh, you know, a counterattack to say I did not receive what I was expecting is a different story altogether. But anyway, to join us for this conversation, uh, this evening's conversation in regards to NGO sector, um, we've got Dr. Matume Hanaha, Coordination Committee Member of the South African National AIDS Council Civil Society Forum, uh, joining us this evening. Good evening and a warm welcome to Night Talk. Evening, evening, Pesa and uh, SAFM listeners. NGOs. So the last time I, I stand to be corrected, um, someone was telling me that you are no longer registering an NGO. Uh, was it an NPO or it's still an NGO? Yeah, so, so the terms are varied. I mean, ultimately, they're interchangeable. Um, essentially, it, 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 it's got a, a similar meaning. Um, ah. And um, I mean, mainly there are differences between you've got your, you know, some that are not registered. So those will be like your volunteer associations and the likes. And then you register many through the social um, development directorate. So there'll be non-profit companies which explains more about the, um, you know, the, the configuration of the registration that uh, it is not for profit. And essentially the expression of non-governmental, it's emphasizing that it's, it's not a governmental entity, but the words are interchangeable. And of course, uh, when you're registered with the, the CIPC, then those will be known as non-profit companies. Um, uh, but essentially, I mean, the, 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 the terms are generally interchangeable and sometimes they even describe the location, like, you know, when you say community-based organizations. Um, uh, but essentially, I mean, the, the terms are, are quite uh, integrated. Mm. And the work done by various NGOs in the country, um, you know, as they do their work, are they supported by government financially or not? So to a degree... Um, it's, it's, it's definitely for the value that is created, one would, would, wouldn't say that it's, it's anywhere near sufficient. Um, but you've got, for instance, the Department of Social Development, you know, registers 
currently about more than 270,000 organizations. And, and year on year, those organizations actually have been increasing in, in, in numbers. And just from the department alone, you know, there's about a 7 billion uh, rent allocation uh, of, of social development. And of course, there's contribution from from, from other key departments, uh, particularly, you know, DSD and, and the Department of Health. Um, but again, essentially, it, it's about uh, the value that the, 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 the non-profit sector is adding. And definitely from that perspective, um, it is grossly underfunded. Mm. And what really is the main role of an NGO? So, so I mean, when you, one registers an NGO, an, an, an NGO um, you know, uh, we define our own, um, you know, uh, vision. So there isn't a singular, um, uh, you know, role. It, it's really about responding to the needs. But broadly speaking, uh, you know, into categories, you've got organizations that are, you know, into advocacy work. So championing a particular cause, um, you do have NGOs that would be in the space of direct service delivery. Um, uh, and, and of course, you also have NGOs that do a lot of, of research and policy, uh, you know, um, and quite uh, some that do, a, uh, you know, work around relief and emergency response. So, you know, those would be the broader categories. But essentially, um, you, you wouldn't define uh, an NPO uh, within as, you know, a specific role. It's quite a vibrant and diverse space, but ultimately we are responding to the needs of communities. Mm. I was just looking at some of the numbers in terms of, I, I, I went back to 2015 where uh, a registered report by Cajeso Trust basically mm. highlighted that there were 140,000 NGOs. Yeah. And yeah. to date, we are now sitting at 200,000. And my question coming to you know the landscape, what does yeah. it look like? Um, in 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 SA at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I mean, essentially, with that report, you can appreciate that you know from the 140 that you're talking about, and I just mentioned that we are now actually sitting at 270, just over 270,000 NPOs. Okay. So it's quite a vibrant landscape, and you know, often um, you know South Africans are accused of being apathetic, um, you know, non-responsive. But, you know, the, the picture on record shows a very different picture. It shows, you know, uh, communities that are willing to organize themselves, that are willing to be part of the solution, you know, outside the political space, outside the government space, um, you know, outside private uh, interests in terms of profit making. You know, South Africa, we've got, a, and this is historic, I mean, how we've got, uh, you know, um, to a democratic state, you know, there was a significant role that was played by the civic movement. So we've always had, a, you know, quite a vibrant um, landscape in terms of the, the non-governmental organization space. So essentially, one would characterize the space as a very vibrant, dynamic, and uh, fairly quite a responsive space, particularly uh, also not only delivering services um, for communities, but holding the government uh, accountable and upholding, uh, you know, the values of the constitution. Mm. But does this not also somehow paint a, a rather not so good picture for the state? Because mm. if NGOs are growing, it means yeah. the society has seen that they need to now support themselves because the state to some degree is failing yeah. somehow. 
Uh, absolutely. Uh, and I think one of the, you know, sayings in our circles that we we, we, we like uh, saying is that, uh, you know, the job, the job of an NGO is to work itself out of business. Uh, you know, we, we've got a very different configuration. You know, with, with a private entity, the idea is for you to grow and maximize profit. And, you know, but in the NGO world, actually, a measure of success is when you're not needed anymore uh, because the very essence of the, the activation of an, of, of an NPO is because of a need. Uh, and so a lot of, of the work is around responding to, you know, uh, the failures, or you could argue, of the state. And, of course, when you look at the data of South Africa, I mean, we've got a, a poly crisis. I mean, if you look at our socioeconomic disparities, or burden of disease, um, you know, serious crime, um, you know, uh, that compels, um, you know, South Africans to be responsive. Uh, so they are, to a certain extent, a reflection of the state of the nature. It's 18 minutes after 10. It's a night talk. Bertha in for Oliver. And I'm speaking to Dr. Matome Hanaka, Coordination Committee Member of the South African National AIDS Council Civil Society Forum. And we are talking about non-government uh, organization or non-governmental organizations and also just tapping into, you know, um, their role and also to looking at the numbers and how they have increased over the years. When we get back, uh, we will just touch base on the effects um, of COVID and how then the organizations have managed to either keep open and also check on those uh, that have uh, shut shop. Let's take a small break. We'll be back. Night Talk, Monday to Thursdays, 10 to midnight. Bertha Charuma on SAFM. And talking about NGOs, and of course, we are open for conversation. You can always give us a call 086-000-2032, or you can send us your WhatsApp voice note 0614-104-107. And maybe you tried to open an NGO and you just want to find out maybe uh, what could have been the challenge, or maybe you had an NGO uh, that had to close shop um, after COVID. Now, coming back to you, uh, Dr. Matume Khanaka, last year, in particular, after COVID-19, uh, mm. we saw the closure of some of the NGOs because they couldn't keep up with the cost of staying open. How yeah. difficult has, um, you know, has it been to keep an NGO open and to run it? Overall, uh, um, Beth, I would say it's been absolutely uh, devastating. Um, now, of course, uh, different entities would would have had different experiences, um, but the, the the effect has been arguably, you know, between government, um, private sector, and civil society felt most in the space of civil society. Uh, you know, historically, you know, there are question marks around value of civil society. I think uh, we've heard, you know, even recent comments that have been made public. Uh, particularly from from some of the, 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 the you know the state um, uh, uh, you know regarding you know the role of and undermining the role of civil society though so there's been that historical you know devaluing of civil society so when the economic landscape is is, is quite you know constrained you know you hear people about uh, deliver, delivering you know uh, very direct messages about investing in business growing business. Of course.
because the state is a given, but you hear very little uh, in terms of the investing into civil society. So definitely the branch of, of, of the last two, three years in particular has been felt the most within the civil society space, particularly the micro-organizations. And those are organizations that are running on a, like less than 500,000 turnover. You know, a lot of those organizations have simply uh, failed to, to keep their doors open. Um, and, and, and of course, but across the state, um, you know, there has been uh, quite a detrimental impact in terms of the financial constraints. Also, I just want to, you know, to just uh, throw it out there that's uh, for our listeners that most probably just I also want to hear your views in terms of have you seen any NGOs making an impact in your society or have you seen, you know, NGOs uh, just opening and nothing much is happening and also just it could be, you know, a feel-good story or a devastating story, whichever it is, because this conversation is about NGOs and how we get to understand their role and expectations as a community. What do you expect from them and are they delivering and what should be done to make sure they're supported? So let's come back to the government. So recently we've seen allegations leveled by government that some NGOs in the country are being used by external forces. Um, your thoughts on that, that you know, external forces are basically supporting NGOs to destabilize government. What's yeah. your take on that? So, you know, um, you know, Petha, it, it is, when you look at the circumstances um, surrounding uh, why those statements were made. I mean, it was um, explicitly at a time where, you know, we've lo- we had lost, I think, over 70 lives, uh, you know, due to a devastating fire in the city of Joburg. But amongst uh, quite devastating, uh, you know, uh, uh, scenarios. And when those statements were made, I, I don't think they can be anything more reckless um, and just a lack of accountability, particularly from the state, uh, because, I mean, essentially, uh, in, in my personal take is that a state that begins to deflect um, and, you know, redirect its own failures um, towards entities uh, like the nonprofit sector, that is a state that is actually uh, voting itself out of government. It's a state that is as little that it can govern. It's that simple. And it must be characterized as such, uh, because... If the state fails to take responsibility, then that state can't be held in government by the people. It's, it's really that simple. So for me, that's, that's where the debate just simply ends. That it, it's a state that has admitted to itself that it's not ready to govern, it's not willing to govern, so it should not govern. Um, and also, I just want to find out, what are some of the factors impacting the growth of, of the sector? So um, South Africa in itself is it, 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 quite, as I did mention earlier, um, our, our, you know, polycrisis. Um, we, we are the most unequal society in the world uh, in terms of social, you know, um, uh, economic disparities. We have the highest unemployment rate, you'd say definitely in the world. Um, and of course, we've, we, 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 you know, not just in terms of unemployment rates, our poverty level still remain quite significantly high. Um, and we've got significantly high burden of disease. Uh, we do know, particularly uh, with conditions like HIV and TB, we've got quite high numbers um, of, 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 of those ailments, but also other in terms of non-communicable 
um, you know, diseases. And of course, our rates of violence are just astronomical. Um, you know, we've got explicitly high rates of, 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 you know, violent crimes, including gender-based violence and sexual assaults. So, you know, those conditions do create and compel societies to organize and be part of the solution in, in responding. I do have a caller online, uh, Sigin Randberg. Good evening. Welcome to Night Talk. Uh, good evening, Bertha. Thank you very much, Bertha. I wanted to uh, uh, raise the question of whether there are uh, NGOs that are not funded by foreign institutions like the uh, human rights outfits of the world, but uh, they are funded by, guess who, uh, the people who are doing tremendous damage to South Africa, like our entire health department that has gone to that has gone uh, worse than to the ground. It's, uh, it, it has been run by uh, uh, real rogues. And, and the prime example of this was the uh, many, uh, the many uh, NGOs or NPOs uh, which popped up to kill 143 mental patients hey? with, the, with the money uh, funded by our Department of Health. Eh? Never mind the vibes uh, of of Zwelle and Kize. This was, uh, uh, and and these things are going on. There may well be many such uh, uh, so-called welfare institutions which are uh, nothing of the sort, but are being, uh, uh, but are money uh, uh, leaching devices. Uh, instituted by the mafias that are destroying the country, like our health department was doing with with the uh, Sidimeni scandal. Uh, thank you so much, Sig. Um, what's your take on that, Dr. Matome? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, the issue of accountability is, is one of the pillars of the of, of the non-governmental, you know, uh, organisation space and. We, we have to be held accountable and take responsibility, um, you know, for, 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 for areas where, you know, there, there is gross um, human rights violation, including mismanagement and corruption. Um, one of the critical challenges in the space, um, it's, you know, you know the, the funding within the, the civil society space, you know, it tends to be one that is, it, it actually compromises quality in the pursuit of, of quantity. We, 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 we tend to reward uh, numbers in the space quite heavily. And even to an extent that uh, within the, the, the call for proposals, there'll be, there'll be explicitly stated that you should keep a, a cap on the you know, administrative costs. And those would speak to financial systems, the human resource, um, which would then speak to including operational costs. That speaks to the quality and the ability for an organization to be sustainable. So we need to relook really at some of these funding models that tend to want to, to in better commas, maximize uh, 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 funding simply from the measuring of, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the quantitative uh, aspects uh, in terms of, uh, and this, the gentleman that just called, it speaks to the outcomes of that type of uh, funding modeling uh, where now for the push of numbers to say you know how many patients can you look after you know how many people can you reach and so forth 
you find that then quality is uh, grossly compromised, mm. um, and particularly with the underfunding of their operational costs. Quite interesting because also then it, it, it brings about the question of uh, what sort of a criteria do they use in, in terms of accepting and, and, and solidifying and granting whether it is a license to say, okay, fine, you are a verified NGO. And also the monitoring body, does it constantly check to see um, if you are complying to what is expected? Yeah. Yeah, so so I mean to to be an, an NPO, particularly uh, receiving state funding, you have to be uh, registered with the NPO directorate in the Department of Social Development. Um, now, with that, there is um, the the some of the requirements, which amongst uh, many includes you know the submission of the annual reports, uh, which then also speak to not only the programmatic aspects. But also the compliance, um, and and of course those that are registered also with the CIPC, uh, they, you know they need to submit quite robust uh, financial, um, um, you know management, uh, you know kind of monitoring systems, uh, you know through their their, their annual financial reports. So there are mechanisms, but essentially I think the most critical one, better, is internal coming from the civil society movement itself. And one of the drives of that is to is to encourage you know a shift away from the more silos and 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 you know those who are just operating you know with out of networks where you know uh, for an example within the Sustainable National Aid Council and many other networks uh, where you know we establish coherent uh, collaboration and formations uh, because in that aspect then when we also add to ensuring that we are holding each other accountable and maintaining certain levels of standards within these um, various networks. It does strengthen and, and uh, the monitoring aspects of ensuring that we retain the highest standard of care. Mm. I've got um, Tinga in Makado. Good evening. Welcome to Night Talk. Good evening, Beth. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And your colleague there. Uh, Beth, just my contribution on this topic. Uh, good show, as so to say. Thank so, you. on the issue of um, uh, the reason why the NGO are established, yeah, to 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 to, to certain degree, one could say yes, uh, they are established because they are failed somewhere uh, by government. But 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 I I I personally would not necessarily say that that would be the reason entirely. Because I see a um, government as an institution that has its own, and uh, and uh, more so, I think uh, NGO should also be seen as an institution, and uh, as well as the private sector. So I understand that government has a huge role to to play in the society, but it cannot do everything. So I think uh, NGO should be seen as an institution that to come into place and then contribute and then uh, find a way for sustainability. And then maybe just to end, my my my, my take on this one is that uh, I, I, I don't think NGO should see themselves as an institution that should always rely on government or private sector. I think they should also find some ways to to, to generate some income 
so that they can become uh, sustainable. Because you hear so 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 much that uh, they are failing because they are not being supported by government. There are many ways that they can uh, generate income and become sustainable because that is not uh, prevented by anyone. Thank you, Bessa. Thank you so much for for your contribution. I think we're going to take a let's take a voice note and let's hear what's uh, you know coming through our voice note line. Evening. Uh... This is Pat from Cape Town. I think NGOs, some, they really do a good work, but mostly they are not visible in the communities that they claim they are because it's only about themselves when they receive money. The money is no longer on programs or the project that has held. It's, it's based on their salaries. And especially the international organizations who come to South Africa and then they see opportunity to pay themselves a lot and lots of money in dollars, whereas we don't see anything that is happening within our communities. There are a lot of NGOs in our communities, but the impact of those NGOs nowhere to be found and they can't even account although you they say that they are account to social development but most of them they really don't account to anyone they just do as they like thank you Thank you so much. Um, I think let's uh, go to maybe uh, not okay, uh, not 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 necessarily. I thought I had a caller online. Now, what about? I, I've often wondered about tax rebate. So let's say I have a company, and I decide to support an NGO, or maybe I have a company, and then I open another branch from my company that becomes then a non-organizational, um, you know, uh, institution. Are there any tax rebates? Because I don't know if it is so, then I suppose it encourages a lot of people to just open NGOs. Mm. Yeah. So, so in terms of, uh, I mean, I mean, tax matters, and one wouldn't speak as an expert um, on this particular topic, uh, but you do have about uh, just over twenty-five thousand organisations um, that are registered also as public benefit organisations. Uh, so those will be listed uh, listed with with the South African uh, Revenue Services SARS, um, and and so yeah, those organisations would then um, be exempted uh, from taxes, um, and of course, um, uh, in terms of the the tax laws, they apply um, to to then uh, you know any entity, including um, the the the, the non governmental organisations. And, you know, as per, as per the, the SARS uh, and, and loss. Mm. Well, I suppose we'll have to just uh, end it at this point, talking to our guest, focusing on the NGO sector in South Africa and the impact and the role that they play and where do they get their resources and their support. And also, you know, we just touched base on you know, matters of the government feeling like whoever supports NGOs, some of them, uh, their intention would be to destabilize the government. But I think it's 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 a catch twenty two situation, and it's always open for conversation. And our guest uh, has been Doctor uh, Matume Khanaka. Thank you so much for joining us this evening on Night Talk. 
think, Stefan. 